Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I am loving this day. I got to tell you right away, it's going to be hour one with Jeff Redorn, my friend and mentor. He is uh, going to be talking about the glorification, and it's going to be a wonderful hour. You're going to want to uh, get out your notebook and get a pen and open your Bible because we're going to have a great hour. In hour two, David Wheaton's going to be joining me. We're going to continue our discussion on Genesis, and then Arlene Pelican will be joining me and she is going to talk about the disappointments that are happening with some of our students, just with the end of the school year with no sports and no graduations and some of that stuff. So she's going to be giving a very interesting perspective on all of that uh, as parents and grandparents and how we can relate. Okay, so uh, let me take a minute and then we'll start with uh, Jeff. In times of crisis, we often ask, what can we do? While there are so many things we can do and ministries we can support, we can overlook the one thing we all can do and should do before anything else. Pray. Find specific prayer requests on Prayer Works, an online prayer forum at MyFaithRadio.com. Pray for posted requests or leave a request of your own. It's an easy way to encourage each other and bring our concerns to God. Join us in prayer today through Prayer Works at MyFaithRadio.com. It's not just information, it's transformation. You don't need to be afraid of God. I mean, really, He loves you more than any man will ever love you, more than any woman will ever love you. He will never love you any more or less than He does His second. God's love is not based on what you do, it's based on who He is. God is love. Faith Radio. show. So glad that I have Jeff Redorn as my guest today. We're going to chat about glorification and probably a few other things, but it's going to be a great hour. So make sure you got your Bibles open and your notebooks handy, and I will um, uh, promise it'll be a great hour. Jeff, uh, welcome to the show. Good afternoon, Bill. Thank you. Nice to have you here. Okay, what is glorification? Can we start there? Yeah, that's a good place to start. All right. Um, I actually teach a class called Salvation, Sanctification, and glorification, the three parts of salvation. Uh, Paul says that we have been saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. So there, the, this three parts of salvation is past, present, and future. So obviously salvation, the past part, that's the moment you believe and are saved. The moment you're born again, that's salvation. Uh, theologians talk about the sanctification process. Um, none of us are there yet, right? No. None of us are living that that we've been made holy and righteous and blameless in God's sight, but no one, is, none of us are living quite like that yet. That is the sanctifi- sanctification. We are being saved. But then what we want to talk about today is this last part, this future part of our salvation, which is called glorification. This is the resurrection uh, when we will 
put off this earthly tent, this body of flesh, and be clothed in a new body, a new glorified, imperishable body, and that's our glorified body. So that's glorification. Okay, and might that be the final removal of sin from the life of the saints? Yeah, so, you know, we're not... We are perfected in spirit today. If uh, We've done this chart on, on your air before. We are body, soul, and spirit. Mm-hmm. And so we've been perfected spiritually, right? Spirit gives birth to spirit. That's how God sees us. But we're still living, and we still have this soul, this decision-making, uh, where we exercise our free will, sometimes for God, sometimes not for God. And then we live in this body. And it's it's. I love the description that uh, both Peter and Paul described this body as an earth tent, mm-hmm. a temporary dwelling. Yep. And I love C.S. Lewis once says, you don't have a soul. You are a soul. You have a body. Mm-hmm. So we are a soul living in this temporary body that's, by the way, this body is wasting away, Right. And our, the future of this body is to return to the dust from which it came, right? Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, all that kind of stuff. So our eternal life is not spent in this body. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. So God has in store for all saints a future perfected glorified body, and that's what we'll talk about And today. that is what we call good news. <laughs> that, is, that makes me happy. I, you know, just talking about the future makes me happy. We're all looking for hope. I love, you know, God, when he talks about the future, the future of the rapture, the future of our glorification, our inheritance, he talks about us, about this often, his plan for the saints. Um, You know, I love the end of Ephesians 1 where it says, having believed, having been saved, you were marked in him with the deposit of the Holy Spirit, guaranteeing our inheritance, Mm -hmm. right? So what he has in store for us, if he started something, He says he will complete it. And that completion is the glorification of our body and our inheritance, and that is eternal life. Yeah, unlike me, when I start projects, (laughs) I finish less than half. Well, well, at least you started some. I'm off topic. All right. Uh, Let's talk about the glorified body. Jesus, is he the only one who's ever had one to this point? He is. So when we talk about the glorified body... Um, there's really a couple places that we turn to. So in in uh, in in my class over Easter time, we it's a great time to talk about the glorification, um, because Jesus obviously on Easter was raised from the dead on Easter morning. So and he appeared in his glorified body. Um, so we'll talk about the the resurrection appearances of Christ. What does this body look like? What was he able to do? And um, but yes, he is the first to be resurrected under glory. But Scripture says, if he was the first, we will follow him. So just as he was resurrected from the dead, so too we will be resurrected from the dead. So, But as of right now, you're absolutely right. There's only one who's been resurrected to glory, and that is Christ. Mm-hmm. So let's dig into this this glorified Jesus. And I mean, I'm, I'm all curious about uh, how his, I know his appearance was recognizable, but... I know his scars were present. It, they were. So, so if you walk through kind of the resurrection appearances, we have um, Mary at the tomb, right? So mm-hmm. Mary was at the tomb of Jesus, and and uh, they had a conversation. In fact, one of the first questions that I want to talk about is why many say that that uh, that Mary, 
when Jesus says, Mary, don't touch me or don't cling to me. So that's one of the things I want to get to. But that was the first resurrection appearance. The second one was when the women returned back to the tomb. And then Peter sees uh, Jesus in Jerusalem, and there's a resurrection appearance. And then we have Jesus with the two men on the road to Emmaus, uh, where he talks to them about the, the resurrection of the dead. And then the 10 apostles, then the 11 in the upper room. And remember Thomas? Mm-hmm. The first time Thomas was there, or not there, and he says, well, I'm not going to believe you guys. He doubted, doubting Thomas, right? That's where we get the phrase doubting Thomas. He says, I won't believe that Jesus rose from the grave until I see it with my own eyes. And sure enough, Jesus appears again, this time with Thomas, and he says, Thomas, put your hand here in the holes in my hand and in the side where he was pierced. And Thomas's reaction is just amazing. He basically says, I believe. Jesus first says, stop doubting Thomas and believe. And he says, my Lord and my God. He mm-hmm. finally believes that he is actually resurrected from the dead and he has his scar. So actually, what, while we're here, let's cover this first question. So I have, I get, when we teach about the resurrection, we actually get to several questions that are kind of common questions about the resurrection of the body and and, uh, and about Christ. Um, and one of those questions is, well, Jesus had scars, and Thomas saw the scars. And actually in Revelation, in chapter 5, there's this great scene in heaven where John sees um, the throne. He sees God on the throne and the cherubim and the sea of glass. And Revelation 4 and 5 is this great scene of the throne of heaven. And at one point he says, and I saw and looked and I saw a lamb as if he'd been slain. So even John seeing Jesus in heaven after he goes up to heaven from earth, he sees them and he sees him in some way as a lamb that had been slain. So I actually think that the scars on Jesus's body will be there for all eternity wow. as a reminder of his sacrifice on the cross for the sins of the world. And so the natural question is, well, if Jesus's scars you think are going to be there, do you think our scars will be there for all of eternity? And I, you know, I don't have a passage for this, but I just think reasonably we can assume that they won't be. His scars have eternal meaning. Right. You know, your appendix scar doesn't. Right. right? So I don't think our scars, I think we will be perfected in the flesh. So, um, and, and by the way, this is kind of then the second part of this question. And people will often ask, well, will, will I be taller finally? Will I be shorter? I'm a little overweight now. Will I be thin? Will I be? Uh, once again, we don't have any Bible passages specifically about what we'll look like. You know, some have more hair than others and so on. But in the end, I think... We will be glorified. We will be perfected. I don't think any of the the issues that you have with your current body will be, you know, carried over into the glorified body. Isn't that good news? Uh, that's really good news. All right. Yeah. So, so yeah. what age are we going to be in heaven? What age are we going to be in yeah. heaven? You know, this is another question, very common question about our glorification that we really don't have an answer to. Um, some will cite that Jesus was 33 years old. And therefore, if we're made like him in every way, then we will be 33 years old for all of eternity. Um, You know, how old are you for eternity? 
Wow. If if we we live in time right now, right? Mm-hmm. We have we we go around the sun on the earth, and we're another year older, and that's how we track time. But in heaven, if 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 there's not even the concept of time, how old do you think you'll be in heaven? And I think the answer is, I don't think we'll have an age. I think you'll be glorified, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. All right, Jeff, we're going to take a little break. I've already had a question come in that says, after resurrection, why could Mary not touch Jesus as he had not yet ascended, but Thomas could? Oh, perfect. We'll deal with that when we come back. Jeff Redorn is my guest. Let me know if you have another question. We're talking about glorification today. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening today. Glad to have you on board. Jeff Verdorn is my guest, and we are talking about the glorification and the glorified body. So far, it's been a very interesting discussion. And Jeff, questions are coming in already. I'll take this one first. After resurrection, why could Mary not touch Jesus as he had not yet ascended, but Thomas could? What up with that? A <laughs> very good question. That's exactly where where we wanted to go here this afternoon. Well, this comes from John chapter 20. So let's just read a couple of verses to set the context. In verse 15 of John 20, he asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him, cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, Do not hold me or touch me, or cling to me, depending on your translation. The NASB says, cling to me, uh, cling on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go and said to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father to my Father and to your God. And so some will say that Mary hasn't touched Jesus yet, and he's saying, don't touch me, stop. Don't touch me, because I have to ascend to the Father. But actually, if you look at this, it actually says, don't cling to me. And the verb form there is actually indicating that it's already happening. So I think the context of the passage is that Mary is already touching Jesus. Okay. So that's one thing. The second part of this, and and by the way, about touching, and I've heard this taught like, like Jesus couldn't be touched yet because he needed to go up to heaven and present himself to heaven, to God the Father, as the sacrifice for sin, right? And that doesn't really make sense to me in the sense that why would Jesus have to present himself for sin in any way, shape, or form to God the Father up in heaven after his glorification? Because Scripture clearly indicates that the issue of sin was taken care of on the cross, Mm -hmm. right? By his shed blood— that's why he said in one of the seven statements he made makes at the cross, his last statement, it says, it is finished, right? The sacrifice has been made. And now he's been glorified. Three days later, he is in his glorified, resurrected, imperishable, incorruptible, you know, never can die body. And he can't be, but he, yet he can't be touched by a woman because he needs to go up to heaven. It's actually, we know 
when Jesus is going to go up to heaven. We know when he is going to ascend to the Father, and that is actually recorded in Acts chapter 1, mm-hmm. when Jesus goes up to heaven. So I think that's the ascension he's talking about. So why in the world does he say, Mary, don't cling to me, don't hold on to me? Well, I think the answer, we need to go back a little bit to John chapter 16. All right. And in John 16, I have several verses I need to read here to set the context. So this is a couple days before the crucifixion. And Jesus tells his followers, but very truly, I tell you. So I'm in John 16, verse 7, starting in verse 7, by the way. It is good for you that I am going away. For unless I go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment and about sin because people do not believe in him, about righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer and about judgment because the prince of the world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. In verse 16, he says, Jesus went on to say, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. At this, some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean saying in a little while we will see him no more, and then after that you will see me, and because I am going to the Father? They kept asking, What does it mean a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. Well, of course, they didn't understand what they what Jesus was saying. They really didn't understand the whole concept of that he was going to be crucified, buried, and be raised again on the third day. So, but here's the picture. Jesus told his disciples, you see me now. You're not going to see me for a little while, three days in the grave, and then you're going to see me again, and then I'm going to go to the Father, and you should be glad that I'm going to the Father Because if I don't go to the Father, then the Holy Spirit won't come upon you, which comes upon mankind, right, in Acts chapter 2, the chapter after his ascension chapter. Mm -hmm. And that is when we believers were born again for the first time. So when Mary clings to Jesus at the tomb, he's saying, Mary, don't cling to me. I know you think you have me back in flesh. I was alive and with you, and I died, and now I'm alive again. And that's never happened before, ever in all of history. And you're so glad, and now you're clinging to me. But she was clinging to the physical Jesus that she thought she had back. And she didn't understand the greater truth, that in 40 days, he was going to ascend to the Father, and she wasn't going to see him anymore, just as he told her back in John 16. And that, that if he goes, she would experience something even greater. And that is being born again, born of the Spirit. The thing that you and I receive when we believe and are saved, that God, the God of the universe, is going to come into us, and we are going to be in him, and he in us. And it's this concept. I mean, this this concept of being born again— In fact, in Hebrews, I love it in Hebrews, after God talks about all of the heroes of faith throughout the chapter of uh, chapter 11 in Hebrews, he says that of these Old Testament saints that I'm looking for the verse, here it is, 39, 1139, 
These were all commend for their faith, yet none of them received what was promised, since God had planned something better for us, that only together with us would they be made perfect. So here's this concept of being born again, that nobody in the Old Testament was born again like we are born again in the New Testament. No one. No one ever received the Spirit of God like we received the Spirit of God. No one was ever made in Christ as we are made in Christ. That is why Jesus had to go away and send another. And that's why he said, Mary, I know you're so happy to have me back, Mm -hmm. but don't cling to me because it's going to be short-lived because I'm going to have to ascend to the Father in Acts chapter 1. And when I go, then the Holy Spirit will come on and you will be in me and I will be in you. And you remember Jesus' high priestly prayer in John chapter 17 where he says, I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that we may be one just as we are one. And that is only made possible by Jesus going up to heaven and sending the Holy Spirit. Isn't mm-hmm. that cool? It's fantastic. Is, is anyone blaming Mary, though, for wanting to cling to Jesus? Absolutely not. That would be... My goodness, that would be phenomenal. Sure, that would be your natural reaction. Lord, you're risen. Yes. You're back. I have you back. Right. Um, so, and he, I don't think he did it in a condemning way. You know, I don't hear that condemnation in his right. voice at all. He's just saying, Mary, don't cling to me. I yeah. know you're happy to have me back, but I got something better for you. Mm-hmm. All right, Jeff, we're going to take a break in a couple of minutes here, but another question that has come in, and I love this listener. Um, I think he or she lives in the Hartford area based on the area code. But the question is, so how in heaven will I not have a sinful nature? And then in parentheses, it says for Jeff, (laughs) as if I'm too dumb to answer that one. (laughs) No, that is a great question. Um, It makes me laugh. uh, It's it's one of these questions. I get this question often that, well, well, wait a minute here. I know I've been perfected in spirit right now. I've been made holy and blameless in his sight, but I know I continue to fall short every single day, right? And so why wouldn't that be the case up in heaven? Well, let's go back to this body, soul, spirit again. Remember, it's just our spirit that's been perfected in this world right now. Our soul our mind, will, emotion, memories, and stuff, that is yet to be perfected. And, of course, our body is wasting away. Once we're in glory, then our whole body, soul, and spirit will be perfected. Mm -hmm. See what I'm saying? All three, all of us will be perfected. So we will appear with him, with Christ, in glory, perfected, body, soul, spirit. And the ancillary part of this question is, will... If that's the case, then we have to, then God's have to somehow take away our free will so that we don't sin in heaven. And I, I, once again, I don't have a Bible verse for this, but think about Jesus. He's perfected. He has free will. Does Jesus sin? No. No, of course not. We in glory will be perfected body, soul, and spirit. And I just don't think we will be capable of sinning at that mm. point. All right. Jeff Redorn is my guest. We'll take a little break when we come back. Lots more. As we talk about the glorification, if you have questions uh, or comments, let us know. 877-933-2484. Be right back. 
Welcome back to the show. My friend Jeff Verdorn is my guest. And last time Jeff was on, we were talking about the last week of the life of Jesus. And I was quite overwhelmed by the number of people that said, I would love to get a hold of that chart you speak of. And I sent out a whole bunch of them. And if you uh, got missed somehow, and if some somehow it slipped through the cracks and you requested one and you didn't get it, you can let me know. Send me a text or an email, bill at myfaithradio.com, and I will apologize profusely and then get you a chart. Anyway, Jeff, we are back talking about uh, the glorification and the glorified body. Let's talk about the reality of our future resurrection. Well, perfect. If you want to understand our future glorified body, I mean, 1 Corinthians 15 is really where you need to go. This is the resurrection chapter. You know, this is, uh, it starts with the gospel, right? That uh, Christ died for our sins. This, this gospel that Paul says he received, I pass on to you of first import, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scripture, and then he appeared to Peter and to the 12 and to many faithful witnesses. That's the gospel, his death, burial, and resurrection. And, um, you know, that is the gospel by which we are saved. Um, and it then goes on from there and says, and if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is worthless. It's futile. Uh, you are still dead in your trespasses and sins. So we, I often, the, the resurrection is central to the truth of Christianity, that without the, without the resurrection of Christ, there, there is no Christianity, right? We are still dead in our sins, Paul says. But then the chapter goes on to start describing this glorified body that we are going to receive uh, because Christ has received it. So let me read a first passage. Um, start in verse 45. It says, So it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, who is Jesus, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. Adam came first, and after that, then the spiritual. The first man, Adam, was of the dust of the earth. The second man from heaven. So Jesus was from heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so right now we bear the likeness of Adam, the earthly man, mm -hmm. so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. Mm. Okay? That's exciting. It, it, so we end up getting a glorified body just like Christ's glorified body. We shall bear the likeness of the man from heaven. And this is actually talked about all over Scripture. That, for example, in Romans 6, it says, if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. We will be resurrected. In Romans 8, it says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son. So if you are, some want to use that to say some are predestined unto salvation, I think this verse says that believers are predestined to glorification. Mm -hmm. We will be made like him and conformed to his likeness. Philippians 3.21 says, Who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorified body. We will be glorified. You see how God is reminding us over and over again that just as Christ has been raised, so too we shall be raised. 1 John 3 says it this way, 
Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So when is that, see that time frame, when he appears? That's actually, I think, the reference is to the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church is our resurrection day. Whether you're dead in Christ and you're up in heaven right now, or you're alive in Christ at that last trumpet, the trumpet of the rapture, both the dead in Christ will be resurrected, they will receive their glorified bodies, and those of us who are alive and remain, we will receive our glorified bodies. Colossians 3 says it this way, when Christ, who is your life, appears at the rapture, then you also will appear with him in glory, right? So when he appears at the rapture, then we too will be in glory with him. And finally, that sec- won't be in lowly bodies. No, we're not okay. in a lowly body anymore. All we right. are in a new transform. And we'll get to the description of our glorified oh, body in a second. Can't wait. And, and then finally, in 2 Corinthians 4.14, another one that says this, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. God has promised it over and over and over in Scripture that we who are saved, past tense, who are being sanctified, present tense, will be glorified, future tense. Mm, it will it. happen. We'll be, we are predestined for it. And in fact... That is one of the lines of thinking for our assurance of salvation, right? Were any of these promises in Scripture conditional on anything that we need to do? No. No. God, if you are saved, you will be glorified come Resurrection Day. And we call that good news around here. (laughs) That is is very, very good news. Mm -hmm. So um, let's talk about this description of this glorified body. I like this. Yes. So... If we keep going in 1 Corinthians um, 15 and we start looking at some of the descriptions, I won't read the whole passage. I'll just read kind of the components of it because uh, it's it's kind of long. This is kind of a summary of, of this whole part of 1 Corinthians 15. So our current body is perishable, God says. Our resurrected body is imperishable. Our body is sown in dishonor. It will be raised in in glory. It's sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It was a natural body. Remember the Adam? We were in Adam. Mm -hmm. It will be raised a spiritual body. Now, don't confuse that with being a spirit being. This is a tangible physical body we're going to receive, not some kind of ghost. Remember in the the upper room, he said, you know, I'm not a ghost. Touch Mm -hmm. me. I'm here. I'm physical. We bore the likeness of Adam the dust of the earth, so we will bear the likeness of the one from heaven, right, Jesus. We currently bear his likeness, so shall we bear the likeness. We just read that passage. Because flesh and blood, this earthly body, cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. So we have to be transformed into our glorified bodies in order to receive the kingdom of heaven. So it's just so promised by God in so many ways And I think it's so incredible to think that we will receive a glorified body that when you think of it, so that's about all we have for descriptions of the glorified bodies. The next thing we want to do is look at 
some more details of the resurrection appearances of Christ to get clues about what he did and how he interacted with people in his glorified body. Because once again, he's the only one to have a glorified body to date. Mm -hmm. So we've already talked about several of them, right? He was touched. So he physically touched people in their earthly bodies. Mm -hmm. So he's a tangible, physical being, not some kind of ghost or spirit. And yet he, Scripture says, disappeared uh, from the two men on the road to Emmaus and appeared suddenly in a locked room with the disciples in an upper room. How do you do that in a regular body? Well, the answer is you can't. But obviously Christ was able to do that in his glorified body. Next, he, um, when he's in the upper room, the disciples gave him some fish, actually, to eat. And actually, one of his later appearances by the Sea of Galilee, he uh, told, remember, he tells Peter to yeah. cast his net out on the other side, just as he did the first when he first met Peter. Mm-hmm. Peter recognized him. He jumps in, swims to shore, and they cook fish. Right. Um, I was on the shore of the Sea of Galilee at the spot that is considered to be the rock where they cooked the fish. Now, I don't know if that's exactly the spot or not, but yeah. at least some churches say that is the spot. Um, and Jesus ate. So here's one characteristic that I'm actually personally very excited about, that in our glorified bodies, we will be able to eat. Mm-hmm. So we know that from his appearances, right? Yeah. Um, and if you're in glorified bodies, you won't get fat. So can you eat all the cookies that you want? Well, I think so. Why they call it heaven, Jeff? (laughs) No, I don't have a Bible verse for that. I know. We're just just speculating at this point. I know. But what about this coming and going, this instantly appearing and disappearing in and out of rooms? I mean, that sounds kind of interesting. Whatever the laws of physics are that govern our earthly bodies and the matter that we are comprised of, obviously don't affect in the same way the whatever kind of flesh this glorified body is, because Jesus was able to appear and disappear. And the, one more instance, by the way, at the at the end of uh, Acts chapter 1, when he does ascend up to heaven, let's talk about that for a minute, because he's standing there with the disciples, talking to them, just as, you know, people would be talking to each other in, in their presence, and he suddenly starts rising up to heaven, so that the disciples are looking up into the clouds. So we know he ascended bodily, physically, and visibly up into heaven. And because the angels come down and said, men of Galilee, what are you looking at? Um, he is going to come back the same way that he left. And I always find this to be a fascinating question. If, if I was standing there, I might have asked the angels, well, what do you mean, what am I staring at? Jesus just went up and was hid by the clouds. I've never seen that before. <laughs> um, but then it also says that he's coming back the same way. And um, just an aside, I remember the the third—I've been to Jerusalem, to Israel three times, and the third time we were sitting for lunch up in the upper stories of a building in downtown in the old city of, of Jerusalem. And I'm looking around, and I could see kind of the old city. I was We were elevated a little bit, and I could look across the Kidron Valley and look down at the Garden of Gethsemane and see the Mount of Olives— and, I'm, and, I, and I prayed for our food about just Christ coming back. And I thought, you guys, we're, we're right here. He's going to come back right on the Mount of Olives. That's where he went up to heaven. And that's where Scripture says he's coming back from heaven. And uh, the angels declared it on that day. So, look, he went up to heaven. I can't do that in flesh. 
but in your glorified body, clearly, we will be able to do that. So I think we will have, if we're made like him in every way, we will have the same capabilities and characteristics of Christ's resurrected body. So instantly appearing and disappearing out of places will have its advantages. I mean, think of the surprise birthday party. (laughs) No one will have to be hiding in the kitchen. Yeah, you could be hiding in, you know, Argentina or something. And and just, all right, now's the time for a birthday. Am I supposed to be at a surprise birthday party? Yeah, Yeah, but but, uh, yeah, birthdays are annually, right? If we don't have any time in heaven, so I don't know if we'll have birthdays. I digress again, sorry. Um, What about seeing our loved ones? Will will, uh, will they know our bodies or our souls in heaven? Yes, so that's another characteristic of the resurrected appearances of Christ. I know that both to the men on the road to Emmaus and to Mary, it seemed like initially they didn't recognize him. Uh, Did he hide his appearance? Did he, um, you know, did he change his face appearance in some way, shape, or form? I mean, we just don't know. Uh, But clearly they didn't recognize him right away. But then, of course, they did, right? So I think we will recognize um, our loved ones in heaven. And if you remember, David said, remember when his child uh, died mm-hmm. right soon after birth and yep. he stopped mourning? And they say, why did you stop mourning, David? And he says, well, I will see him again. So clearly, I think we will. We don't forget people on uh, that we know on earth. We will see them and we will recognize them and we will be with them. Remember, some people, one of the, one of the great hopes, your father will be your father for all Mm -hmm. eternity. He was your father on earth. He'll be your father for all of eternity. Your mother, your brothers, your sisters, your friends, your spouse, right? You were married. Now, we know Jesus taught there'll be, you know, you don't understand the resurrection. There'll be no marrying or giving in marriage, right? So obviously that kind of dynamic changes, that earthly horizontal relationship has been replaced by the perfect vertical relationship, us in Christ, just as we are husband and wife become one flesh, so Christ and his body become one flesh. Uh, so, But you don't forget the fact that you were married to this person for an entire life, and that person, I think, and, and once again, I don't have an exact Bible verse, but I know we will recognize people. I know that I was married to my spouse, and I know that she will be, I'll remember and understand her as my wife uh, for all of eternity, even though now we are all considered the bride of Christ. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. Because you certainly look forward to seeing other people that you n- know and loved. And that's Absolutely. part of the great fellowship and community of heaven. So I'm sure that when you see your wife, you'll go, hey, Julie. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And we have some other examples, too. For uh, example, Lazarus and the rich man in Hades. They recognized uh, Lazarus. Mm-hmm. They recognized Abraham. Uh, Samuel was called up from the grave in the Old Testament. They recognized him. Saul recognized him. So I think this idea that God wipes our way and we don't remember anybody, and I've heard this taught a couple, I just don't think it's true. I think there's examples in Scripture that indicate that we will recognize people. I mean, how many of people do you know, elderly couples, that they long to be with their husband or their wife once they go to heaven? And I understand that, and I think it is true but as you actually said before the show, we're going to have this new mind. Being with Christ yeah. will be the first and foremost big deal, right? Then it will be your loved ones, but they will be there. I'm convinced. Yeah, let me take a little break. Jeff Ferdorn is my guest. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to the show. Jeff Redorn is my guest. We're talking about glorification, our glorified bodies. Pretty exciting day. Got a bunch of stuff we're going to talk about. Like towards the end, we're going to talk about what we don't have to worry about anymore in our glorified state. That's going to be nice. Jeff, with all that's going on in the country right now with uh, so much death, I know that there's um, an overload of people that um, are going to be buried or cremated. And I know this question comes up quite a bit. Uh, when it comes to cremation, and is that okay? Yeah, so for um, many years, centuries, Christians have traditionally buried their dead. Um, I've read some historians talk about that that tradition really um, started because that's what Israel did with their dead. So remember, Jesus was placed in a tomb. He wasn't burned. He was placed in a tomb. And if you understand actually the Jewish process, we we actually don't do it like... The Jewish traditions, they would put somebody into a tomb, seal it up. They'd come back at a later time and collect the bones of the dead and put then the bones into an ossuary and then put the ossuary in another different cave. And that would be their permanent resting spot. But the point is, is that they didn't, uh, they didn't burn their dead. Um, that is something that was considered a pagan tradition to the Jews. So I think Christians picked that up and we traditionally have buried our dead. Now, Cremation is becoming much more popular in this country. Um, I think I saw a stat that is forty percent of the people, or something. I, don't quote me on that. I better. I shouldn't say that. I thought I'd, I. It's gotten a lot much more common than I really thought it has. And so I get this question often: Is it okay to be cremated? Or my family member wanted to be cremated, and I didn't feel comfortable with it, or or whatever. So, and and here's here I think is the simple answer to this question. Everybody who is in Christ has been promised by God a new glorified body, period. It doesn't matter how you die. It doesn't matter what happens to your body after you die. You are going to get a glorified body. And when you think about this, really, um, we have this image of being glorified. So we put our, our deceased, we dress them up into nice suits, and we put nice dresses on them, and we put them in silk-lined coffins because of this belief in the resurrection, like somehow that body needs to come out of the grave in some way, shape, or form, and I just don't think that's the case. Think about Paul's body. What's left of Paul's body? And the answer is there's 2,000 years, there's nothing left of Paul's body, right? If you're a believer and you get, you know, burned or blown up or, you know, eaten or whatever. I don't, you know, (laughs) think of the different ways that people have died over the last 2,000 years. Remember, we're going to end on a high note. Yeah. Um, The answer is, is it doesn't matter what happens to your earthly body. God says ashes to ashes, dust to dust. You will return to the dust. Your physical body is just made up of carbon and water, and it's going to return to the earth from which it came. Um, regardless of what happens to your earthly body, uh, you will receive a glorified body. And some say, well, the tradition is important. The tra- I, I think as a believer in Christ, you're free to do um, whatever you want when you die or when whenever your loved ones die. So I think I plan to be buried, but I, I think it's more tradition than anything else. But if if someone wants to get cremated, I don't think biblically there's any issue with it whatsoever. I appreciate that uh, perspective. Um, you think of all the people that have uh, had tragic deaths, have disappeared, uh, have gone to their depths in the sea, 
and there's nothing left. Mm-mm. So the question would be, is God not able then to bring that person into their glorified state? And of course, the answer is no. God can do whatever he wants. Correct. And will, I think we have a new body waiting he, for us. Yeah, he will assemble every molecule, molecule you once had <laughs> easily. Yeah, however he's going to make the new body yeah. for us, um, he, he's just, he, he will clothe us in glory when the time comes at the last trumpet. And it will happen. You're predestined for it, as Romans 8 says, so it's going to happen regardless. All right, um, let's talk about some good news, like what we don't have to worry about anymore. Well, it is. I mean, you started your question with, uh, right now we are kind of focused on the number of dead. We see the the counts on our screens every day, um, and it's 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 always fascinating. I, I will say at this point in time, you know, I've been to unbelievers' funerals, and I've been to a believer's funeral. Mm-hmm. And those two events are very, very different, aren't they? And because we have this hope. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. We know that we will live and we have eternal life. He who has the Son has life. That life is eternal life. And so we know we will be glorified. So I find it very interesting how the world copes with death and how believers in Christ Jesus cope with death. And I think the two of those things are very different, right? But as we see all this death, I think it's just a reminder in this time of pandemic, in this time of sickness and disease. I mean, we, you know, remember, there's nothing new under the sun. Death has reigned since the time of Adam, since Cain, since, actually, I'm sorry, since Adam sinned, death, Corinthians says that death came to all men because of the one man's sin. And we actually see the first murder in the next generation. So death has been around since the very, very beginning uh, sickness is around because of the fall. Cancers and leukemia and ALS, this terrible disease where people waste away over the course of several years, um, let alone all of our ailments. I mean, you know, one of the things that I lead a, a small church at my church, and we pray for each other every week. And so many of those prayers are about physical um, diseases, cancers, mm-hmm. you know, sicknesses, whatever. And you, and I've heard it preached just like, oh, that's all you t- pray about is physical. Well, when you have physical ailments, that's kind of first and foremost on your mind. When you're sick and, and, and facing death of some kind of disease or illness, of course chronic we're pain. going to pray. That's what you think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you have chronic pain, back pain, you know, migraines, issues like that. I mean, I have tinnitus, Right. Tonight, we, I won't have tinnitus in my glorified body, mm-hmm. thank goodness. But that's the ringing in your ears. It's constant. It's 24-7, and it's kind of annoying. It's nothing like all these other things, obviously. But think about all the sickness and disease that mankind has to deal with uh, generation after generation. And all of that goes away. I love the line in First Corinthians 15, towards the end, it says, When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory, and it's gone. People will often cite the verse where God says he wipes every tear from our eyes. There'll be no more pain, no more sadness, no more sickness, no more disease, no more death forever and ever. That's our future. That's our glorification. 
And that's really, really good news. <laughs> I love ending on that note uh, because there is a lot of death that we're hearing about and talking about. And, of course, it's everyone's um, inevitability. It is. You know, death has proved to be 100% effective on just about everybody yeah. on the face of the planet. No kidding. Jeff, thank you for being my guest. Thank you for being my friend. And thank you for uh, this time together. It's been great. You're welcome, Bill. Thank you. You bet. Jeff Redorn has been my guest. And he is uh, uh, always available. If you have questions, I always love to pass them on to him. And then uh, I'll get back to you with a response as well. So if you ever have a burning question, you go, I'm going to ask Jeff Redorn that question. You know, let me know what it is. I'll pass it on to him. Bill at MyFaithRadio.com would be the way to do it. I think I'm making an offer you'll follow through with. Is that right, Jeff? I will. I always do. I know you do. I know you do. Okay. All right. That wraps up uh, this hour. If you missed any of it, I pretty much promise you're going to want to start from the beginning. Go to MyFaithRadio.com. Coming up in hour two, David Wheaton's going to join me. We're going to continue our discussion on Genesis. And then Arlene Pellicane will be joining me as well. Be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.